0: Genesis chapter 41 verse 38, it says, so Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the spirit of God? And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. Can we find anyone else filled with the spirit of God so obviously? And since God has revealed this to you, clearly no one is as intelligent or wise as you are. How many would like somebody to say about you? Nobody's as smart as you are, man. And not be sarcastic about it. <laughs> not, no, okay, not you're a wise guy, but no, no, you're, you're wise, man. You're wiser than anyone else. That's what Pharaoh says to Joseph here in Genesis chapter 41. Lord, would you bless the reading of your word this morning and help me to preach your word today and help us to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So we're in the school of the Spirit still, but we're kind of shifting a little bit because I I just... uh, I was seeking the Lord, and I don't have a long-term plan for what I'm preaching every week. A lot of times when I preach a series, I will start the series knowing how many weeks we're going to do it and what we're going to preach each week, and so I'll kind of know ahead of time. But this one, I feel like the Lord has just said uh, to, to, to just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and what to preach. And of course, I try to do that all the time. Hopefully I do that all the time, but particularly this one, I I don't know where we're ending. I just know that we're on a journey of kind of hearing and learning about the Holy Spirit and learning from the Holy Spirit. And so last week we looked at the breath of life. And if you remember, I preached about when God created Adam and Eve, he breathed the breath of life into Adam's nostrils. And the scripture says that Adam became, or man became a living soul. And I preached preached about that. And then I I got to, you know, just seeking the Lord about what's this week supposed to be. And I realized that for the rest of the book of Genesis, from the time that Adam was created and God breathed the breath of life into Adam, there is no one else in the scripture where the Holy Spirit is mentioned as being active in their life until you get 37 chapters later. And that time period is actually hundreds of years, possibly, between the time of Adam and the time of a man called Joseph. Joseph is the first man after the fall, after Adam and Eve fell in the sin, he's the first man that the scripture says the Holy Spirit was absolutely, definitely active in in his life. Isn't that interesting? And so as the Holy Spirit kind of revealed that to me and showed that to me I said, well, I want to know about Joseph because what is it about him that the Holy Spirit was moving in his life and, and working in his life. And, and, and we don't have time to go through the whole genealogy that gets you there. But basically, you know, if you remember, if you've ever read Genesis before, when you start reading Genesis after the fall, everything goes nuts. People go crazy. Adam and Eve's son, one kills the other. There's all kinds of sin. There's Noah in the flood because of all kinds of sin. And then after Noah, uh, later on, God calls a man named Abraham to be a follower, but Abraham, it never mentions Abraham filled with the Holy Spirit, never mentions Abraham having that kind of encounter, and then Abraham has a son named Isaac, and then Isaac has a son named Jacob, and then Jacob has 12 sons, which become the 12 tribes of Israel, and Joseph is his next to youngest son by his favorite wife, now back then, God let people have more than one wife, I'm so thankful he doesn't do that anymore, I can barely handle one. And so, uh, but, but Joseph is from, from Isaac's, uh, excuse me, Jacob's favorite wife, Leah. He has two sons, and one is named Benjamin. He's the youngest, and the older one is named Joseph. And so this is the story of Joseph that we pick up in Genesis chapter 37. And when we find Joseph in Genesis chapter 37, I'm gonna be honest with you. Joseph is a little bit of a brat. When you read about Joseph, you find out that because Jacob had a favorite wife, then he kind of had favoritism toward the sons that came from that favorite wife. And, and the Bible says in Genesis chapter 37 that Joseph was so favored by his father that his father Jacob gave Joseph uh, what the King James Version translates as a coat of many colors. You remember Dolly Parton? Back through the years, I go wondering once again. Right. The coat of many colors. Now, I did some study on that and every picture, every Sunday school lesson you've ever heard a uh, scene. It has Joseph wearing a rainbow coat. Right. And that's controversial these days. But but Joseph is wearing a rainbow coat. But actually, it's not necessarily that there was a lot of colors. The a more maybe accurate translation is it was an expensive coat. It was well adorned it was it was well decorated it was something that someone very wealthy would have worn and so for whatever reason jacob decides joseph out of my 12 sons i'm only going to give one the most expensive coat i could possibly purchase and he gives it to joseph and joseph gets a little kind of cocky about it if you read the story joseph doesn't know how to Kind of be humble about this favoritism that he's received. And so what happens is, Joseph, he's got this coat. They're already envious of him and his beautiful coat that he's got. And dad didn't do that for us, but he did it for you. We don't understand that. Well, then Joseph has some dreams where he dreams that he is actually going to become elevated above his older brothers. And in his dreams, he sees his older brothers bowing down in reverence and respect to their younger brother, Joseph. Now, If you have that dream, most people would say, I'm going to keep that to myself. That's not going to make me a very popular guy. But Joseph decides, hey, y'all, guess what I dreamed last night? I dreamed last night that one of these days I'm going to be the one at the top and y'all are going to be the ones at the bottom. And even though I'm the youngest right now, one of these days you're all going to bow down before me. Now, how many knows if you've ever had a sibling rivalry, that's not going to end well. So actually what happens is they grow so jealous of Joseph that they, they make a plot to murder their own brother. And they take him out into the wilderness and they throw him in a pit and they're getting ready to murder him. They're getting ready to kill him, their own brother. When the oldest brother, Reuben, he steps up and he says, hey, y'all, we, we might shouldn't kill him. That, that might be bad. That might be a wrong choice to make. So here's an idea. Let's sell him into slavery instead. And that's what they do. They're out in the wilderness. They've got Joseph in a pit and a caravan on its way to Egypt is passing through. And they say to this caravan of Egyptians passing through, they say, hey, you want a slave? We got one here for you. And they sell him for, I think it says 20 pieces of silver that they sell him for. And he is carried off into Egypt as a slave. They go back to their dad, and they take that richly adorned robe that their dad has given him, and it's, it's, they, they, they shred it up, and they tear it up, and they say, oh, while we were out in the wilderness, Joseph got mauled by a lion, got, by, got mauled by a wild animal, and he's dead. So they didn't kill him, but they told dad he was dead, and dad thinks he's gone. And so meanwhile, Joseph is in Egypt, and he's made a slave. But the Bible says something kind of interesting. Several times in Joseph's life, the Bible says, but the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did. Now, isn't that interesting? Joseph is in a pit and then sold into slavery, but the Bible has the audacity to say the Lord is with Joseph. You ever been in a pit? You ever been in a dark place in life? Isn't it kind of crazy think the Lord's with you in that pit? Ever been in bondage? Ever been chained? Ever been, ever been lost? Ever been in darkness? And the Bible's saying, you know what? The Lord is with you, even in that moment. What happens is is that Joseph, he's sold into slavery, but he's fortunate enough to become a slave in a very wealthy man's house, a man named Potiphar. And the Bible says that Joseph became so entrusted by Potiphar and, and, and was the highest level servant in Potiphar's household and that he was, you know, even though he was a slave, at least he was well taken care of and he was a slave in a nice house. He wasn't a slave out, you know, doing manual labor. He was the head of the household. And the Bible says that God caused him to succeed in everything he did but eventually Potiphar's wife comes along and she ends up accusing Joseph of a sexual crime against her that he did not commit. And once again, because of this crime that he's been falsely accused of, Joseph is thrown into another pit. He's thrown into a prison, a dungeon prison, because of this false accusation made against him. But still, even while he's in a deep, dark prison, in chains, totally, totally uh, rejected by society, this is what the Bible says again about Joseph. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison, and he showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. And then later on, it says the warden, because of Joseph's trust that Joseph developed, the warden had had no worries because Joseph took care of everything and the Lord was with Joseph and caused everything he did to succeed. The Bible is so funny because Joseph seems to be making step after step backward. He is his father's favorite son, is on the brink of being murdered, is in a pit, is sold into slavery, and is now in prison. But the Bible has the audacity to say, but God helped him succeed in everything he did. Isn't that interesting? While in prison, he becomes known by the prisoners as a man with a prophetic gift to be able to interpret dreams. It just so happens that in the same cell, that that joseph is in there are two servants from the pharaoh's household that have been thrown into prison and they both have dreams in the middle of the night remember joseph's already been a dreamer we've established that and so joseph uh hears the distress the, the of these men and when they hear they, they have these dreams they can't figure out what they mean and, and he says well why don't you tell me what they mean and he says and and i believe that god will give us the answer to what those dreams mean for you and through i don't have a time to tell the whole story but both of them share their dreams with them and he interprets both of those dreams and both of the interpretations are absolutely correct and it ends up that That down to the exact details, Joseph is able to predict what's going to happen to both of these servants of Pharaoh because of his ability to listen to the Holy Spirit and given him interpretation of these dreams. And he becomes known for this kind of gift that he has. So then sometime later, Pharaoh himself, the king of Egypt, the king of the most powerful empire on the planet at the time, he has a dream one night. He wakes up the next morning, and this is a man Pharaoh has has philosophers and magicians and sorcerers and 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 members of the occult and priests of this of their Egyptian religion. They're all there. And he brings them all together and he explains this dream. And it's a dream about how fat calves eat skinny calves and different things and skin. It's all it's all kinds of different animals. And, and, and he has this dream. And he tells it to all of his philosophers and his magicians and his and the professors in the universities. And he tells it to the doctors. And he tells it to the priests of his religion, but no one can understand what this dream means. They have no understanding of it. And he gets frustrated and he says, can anybody tell me? He has this feeling that there's something to this dream, that it means something. Can anybody tell me what it means? And one of those servants that had been in prison, but was released and back in Pharaoh's household, he says, hey, I remember this Hebrew man that I was in prison with. And he, I told him my dream one time and he, he predicted it accurately and he was absolutely correct. And so Pharaoh says, well, go get him. And they get Joseph out of the pit of the dungeon of the prison. They bring him into the palace and Pharaoh says, I'm going to tell you my dream. Can you interpret? And I love this because Joseph says, I can't interpret it, but God can. And he tells Pharaoh tells him his dream and and it turns out that the dream means that there is a great famine coming for the next several years to, to the land of Egypt and not just to Egypt that whole part of the world was getting ready to experience a famine and Joseph is able to interpret the dream and give Pharaoh wisdom and strategy for how to prepare for the coming famine to store up food so that Egypt can survive when there is no food for several years and this is what happens as a reward of this gift that Joseph is given pharaoh of interpretation genesis 41 it says pharaoh said can we find anybody else so obviously filled with the spirit of God. He's saying, I asked my priests and I, that worship false gods, and I asked my doctors, and I asked my philosophers, and I asked my professors, and I asked you magicians, and none of you had an answer, but this man apparently is so obviously filled with the Holy Spirit because he has re- re- revealed the dreams of the Pharaoh to you. Clearly, Joseph, no one else is intelligent or as wise as you are, and this is what he says, because of this, you, Joseph, will be in charge of my entire court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I sitting on the throne will have a rank higher than yours, Pharaoh said to Joseph. I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. And he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. So watch the trajectory again of Joseph's life. He's his dad's favorite son. He's got a coat, well adorned, many colors, bejeweled. He's, he's got this expensive clothing. His brothers get jealous. They try to kill him. They think, well, we better not kill him. That might send us to hell. Let's go sell him into slavery instead. He's in a pit sold into slavery. He's carted off to Egypt where he's a servant without any pay. He's falsely accused of a crime he didn't commit and thrown into the pit of prison. He's forgotten by some of his friends that are there that forget him. But still, every step back, every setback back, the Bible says, but the Lord was with Joseph. And then all of a sudden, at the right moment, at the right time, sensitive to the Holy Spirit and able to tune his heart to the Holy Spirit, Joseph has one encounter with the king where now he had been in the pit he had been in prison but all of a sudden he's in the palace and he's got his expensive robes back and he is second in command of the most powerful empire that had ever existed on earth until that time he's the second most powerful man on the planet he's probably the second wealthiest man on the pleasant all of a sudden because the holy spirit was with him god's personal presence God's personal spirit was with Joseph and it made all of the difference in his life. Because Joseph was a man of the spirit, listen to me, he had wisdom beyond his natural ability. Joseph doesn't know how to run an empire. He is the youngest son of a man from some backwater country, That is not, he has no idea how to run an empire, but because the Holy Spirit is with him, he's elevated to a position where he can make a difference and he's elevated to a place and he's able to have the wisdom to give, to give Pharaoh the knowledge of how to save an entire generation of people from starvation. He's rewarded for that. When all the philosophers and the doctors of Pharaoh, the most educated people in the most powerful country on the planet, they failed to provide the wisdom that Pharaoh needed. But God gave Joseph the answer. And have you ever faced an unsolvable problem? Have you ever faced that moment where we don't know, there's no food We don't know there's, we don't know how we're going to make it to tomorrow. We don't know what's going to come next. We don't, but if you will turn your ear to listen to the Holy Spirit, that's why I've been having us practice this every week because this week might be good, but you don't know what's coming next week. And you need to have the ability when things come against you in life to turn to the teacher, to turn to the one who has wisdom beyond your own natural ability. And you can know what to do when you don't know what to do because you've turned the Holy Spirit. So he had wisdom beyond his natural ability, but he also, he had victory in spite of impossible circumstances. He was in a pit, sold into slavery, falsely accused of a sexual crime, thrown into prison. But he found himself from that setback after setback after setback. It was actually a set up to put him into the palace. He could have sat in that prison and adopted a victim mentality. He could have sat in that prison and pointed to everybody else who had messed up his life and said, it's your fault I'm here. He could have surrendered to this attitude of defeat, blamed his brothers for all of his problems, blamed his dad for not protecting him, but instead he kept choosing to rely on the Holy Spirit and look for a reason or an opportunity to move ahead. He could have surrendered to depression and fear and loneliness, but he knew that even in that prison cell, when he was all alone, that the Lord was with him. And he learned how to, in the silence of prison with nobody else around him and no one else to talk to, he learned how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he learned how to listen when the Spirit spoke. And then he was bold enough to speak when the Holy Spirit gave him an opportunity to speak. See, when we're facing impossible situations. And I don't know that any of us have ever been thrown in a pit or sold into slavery or been in prison. But if you have, or if you've been in an emotional prison or you've been in an emotional pit, when you're facing those impossible situations, he can give you wisdom and knowledge that you couldn't have on your own. He can show you a way, a way out of that prison and out of that bondage. He can speak to you with a nudge or an impression in your heart. And he can speak to you through his wit- written word. And he can speak to you maybe even through a dream. He can speak to to you through circumstance he can speak to you through another believer and if you will choose to not play the blame game and not play the victim but instead you'll choose to listen to the wisdom of the holy ghost when he speaks and move when the holy ghost says move he'll give you victory in the midst of your impossibility you know this rags to rich. It's a it's a it's an American dream story. It's a rags to riches story. It's a setback after setback, but he still overcame. It's a great story. But what I love is it's not the end of the story for Joseph. See, because this famine that Joseph predicted, because of the dream, it's not just affecting Egypt. It's affecting the entire. Uh, region of of the planet at that time uh, the ancient middle east the ancient near east all these areas are affected by this famine there's no food and people are starving and lo and behold decades after he was sent and sold into slavery Joseph's brothers who were still back home they're facing starvation for their families there's no food in Israel either And they decide because they've heard rumors that everybody else is starving, but Egypt has food. And so they travel across the desert to find food in Egypt to bring back home to Canaan so that their families don't starve. They heard that the Egyptian rulers were wise enough to store up enough food to survive the famine. So they make the trip to go see if they can buy some food and take it home, having no idea that the mastermind behind the Egyptian plan to stave off starvation is the brother they wanted to kill. So they get to Egypt and they say, where do we go buy food? And the people say, you go to this man's house. And they go to that man's house and they knock on his door and they have no idea they're knocking on the door Of their long lost brother that they sold into slavery. They've come begging for bread from the man they caused to become a slave and a beggar himself. And what's amazing is Joseph's first dream comes true, doesn't it? Now Joseph is the one that's elevated and his brothers have come bowing down and begging him for help and they don't even know it's him. They don't recognize him but he knows exactly who they are. When he answers the door, and to his shock, he sees the brothers he thought he'd never see again. He sees the brothers that wanted to kill him. He sees the brothers that took him away from his f- home and took him away from his father. And at that moment, when he recognized it was his brothers that were now at his mercy, he could have chosen to get even. He could have chosen to tell them where to go. He could have ripped them off and price gouged them and made a profit off of them and said, I deserve everything that they could give me. He could have sent them away empty handed and said, no, you can starve. You you wanted me to die. You sold me into slavery. You put me in a pit. You put me in prison. I have no grace or mercy for you. He could have imprisoned them for their crimes against him but the Holy Ghost inside of him wouldn't let him do any of that. Instead, through a series of events, and again, you should just go read it because the Bible's amazing and it's fun to read, But I, so I can't tell you all the details, but a series of events takes place where Joseph finally chooses to reveal his identity to his brothers. And the Bible says that he wept openly before them. He embraced them. He receives them with kindness. He lays out a spread of the most... Uh, most elaborate meal you could possibly imagine for them there in the palace. And then he sends them home with enough food to last them as long as they would need. But then actually he says, actually, you know what? Instead of me just sending you home for food, go back and get dad and go back and get the rest of my family and you bring them all here where they'll be safe and I'll make sure that they have enough food to survive and they can live the rest of this famine out in peace with full bellies. And this is what Joseph says to his brothers, the brothers he could have killed, the brothers he could have thrown into prison, the brothers he could have sent packing and starving. He said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that was that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years and there will neither be plowing nor harvesting and God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God sent who sent me here and not you. What an amazing perspective. Can you imagine? No human would look at that situation that way in the natural. That's the Holy Spirit on the inside of you that can say, God caused you to put me into slavery. And God caused you me to end up in prison so that I could become a prince in Egypt, so that I could preserve the life of not just the Egyptians, but even my own family, the ones who reject me. Look at uh, Genesis chapter 50. This is a few years later. And Jacob, their father, has died. And so the brothers get nervous. Well, now that Jacob's dead, now Joseph's finally going to get his revenge on us. He held off while his father was alive, but but now that he's dead, there's nothing protecting us, and we get worried. And so it says they sent message to Joseph, and they said, before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great work, wrong they did to you for their sin in treating you so cruelly. Now, that was a lie. He didn't really say that. They're still kind of being sleazy. But what's amazing is he's already forgiven them. This was fear. This was fear causing them to manipulate the situation. But they send the letter to him saying, hey, don't kill us now that dad's dead, please. He says, So we, the servants of God, your father, beg you to forgive our sin. And when Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept once again. And his brother came and threw themselves before Joseph. And they said, Look, we are your slaves almost like we deserve to be slaves because we sold you into slavery. But Joseph replied, hey, you don't have to be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? In other words, judgment is not in my hand. That's God's responsibility. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you And your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Amazing. Amazing to me. Because he has, Joseph, because of the spirit inside of him, he has such a bigger vision of what God is doing than most of us would have. Most of us would look at this and say, oh, he lucked out. You know he had a, he, he he had a bunch of setbacks, but he lucked out. He was at the right time at the right place, and he lucked out. And then they'd say, "But but but he earned his position, and he got there. He pulled himself up by his bootstraps, and he doesn't owe anybody anything. And you know his brothers mistreated him, and so he should send them packing, and he should get he he shouldn't have anything to do with them." We would all say things like this, wouldn't we? Look at Joseph, he did a good job. He was he was at the bottom of society and he worked his way to the top and now his brothers have the audacity to come and not only ask for food but ask for forgiveness. They don't deserve that. But Joseph because of the Holy Spirit inside of him, he sees this much bigger picture going on. And I want to encourage you this morning to could you ask the Holy Spirit to give you his view of your life? and his view of what's going on in your life, and maybe put some of the things that you're dealing with and some of the things that you're walking through right now into his divine and eternal perspective. Because when Joseph takes a step back and he says, you know what, I have come to realize you thought you sold me into slavery, but it was actually God. I want you to think about for a moment the worst day of your life. What was the worst day? And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit right now, God, what were you doing? Where were you at? And how does your plan in this worst day fit into your big perspective? Because we believe, Romans eight twenty eight that we know all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Think about the, the most massive attack spiritual attack from Satan that you've ever experienced in your life before. Maybe it was a massive temptation. Maybe it, was some, maybe it was Satan attacked a marriage or he attacked your family or whatever it is. And take Joseph's perspective for a second and say, you know what? What the enemy meant for evil, God is going to work out for my good. And take for a moment this idea, this concept that maybe, just maybe, what you are saying is the thing that made you a victim. Or what you say is the thing where someone mistreated you. Or what you, from your human perspective, is the thing that set you back so far in life. Maybe, just maybe, somehow it's going to fit into God's plan to give you victory in the midst of impossible circumstances. See, there's such a bigger story going on in your life than just this moment and just today. And Joseph is able to have that perspective. And because the Holy Spirit is with him, one of the things that Joseph is able to do is Joseph is able to have the grace to forgive the unforgivable. From a human perspective, human trafficking is unforgivable. And that's what he's a victim of, isn't he? From a human per- if somebody trafficked one of my children, I'm no longer Pastor Seth anymore. I'm daddy and somebody's dying. You know what I mean? And, and in this moment where he could have gotten even and he could have made it, he, he could have won and he could have beat them at their own game. He could have said, you made me a slave. I'm second in command of Egypt. You're my slave now. He could have done that. But instead, somehow inside of himself, and I want to tell you, it wasn't his flesh. It was something about his spiritual relationship with God that he was able to forgive Someone who had done the unforgivable to him. There's some people maybe today that you're carrying very real hurts. You've been treated unjustly and you've been dealt with unfairly. And I want you to know that it is okay that you don't feel like forgiving anybody because that's your flesh. It's normal. It's natural for you to feel that way. I think sometimes when we talk about forgiveness, we talk about, you know, you should want to. And maybe you do. <laughs> not me. I, I mean, can we be honest for a second? In, everything in me says, no, they don't deserve it. No, I'm right and they're wrong. Everything in says, no, absolutely not. But, it's, but forgiveness as a believer is not me getting what I want. It's me yielding to the Holy Spirit within me. I, and it's okay to say, God, I can't forgive them, but I'm purchased by the blood of Jesus and I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. And while in my flesh, in my mind, in my human nature, nothing in me can even find the possibility to forgive them. But the Holy Spirit inside of me is really good at forgiveness and he can help me. And, and, and I want to hear, say this to somebody because we run into this so many times when the preacher starts talking about forgiveness. Well, you know, what does that mean exactly? And I want you to understand, I'm pretty sure Joseph would never put himself in a situation again where his brothers could try to kill him. I don't believe that the scripture teaches you've got to be a doormat if you're a Christian. And you've got to be walked all over. I don't believe you're an abuse victim. Oh, forgive him and just put yourself back in there to get abused again. Absolutely not. That's not what forgiveness means. Forgiveness means exactly what Joseph said here when he said, don't be afraid of me. And am I God that I can punish you? He's saying, it's not my job to punish you for what you did. My job is to love you. My job is to find a way to move on from this thing that that has been done to me. And my job is to not try to get even with you. My job is to trust God with your life and your sin. That's what forgiveness looks like. So forgiveness isn't saying, forgiveness actually requires you to acknowledge they did something wrong. Forgiveness isn't saying what you did is fine. It's okay. It's okay that you did that. Keep doing it. That's not what forgiveness is. That's ridiculous. Forgiveness is saying what you did was wrong, but it's not my job to make it right. It's God's job to take care of it. And if God chooses to forgive you, I trust him because he's already forgiven me. That's what forgiveness is. Releasing them from your own personal judgment and only by the power of the Holy Spirit can we truly find ways to do that, especially for the big things. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I hear the Lord saying, even right now, the Holy Spirit saying, I want to help you forgive that ex-spouse. Would you let me help you forgive? I want to help you forgive that parent. Would you help? let me help you forgive? Again, it doesn't mean you're going to put yourself in a situation to be abused again or mistreated again. It simply means you're no longer going to hold that over them and try to get even. You're going to trust God with them. So because of the Holy Spirit, he was able to have grace to forgive the unforgivable. And lastly, because of the Holy Spirit, Joseph had influence to make a multi-generational impact. I want you to think about for a second the man who was kind of a brat as a kid, attempted murder, sold into slavery, falsely accused and put in a pit in prison, And all of a sudden, God has been working the whole time. Because think about this. He would have never met the other servant who served in Pharaoh's house had he not been put in prison. It was all a setup. God was moving from the very beginning. He put him in exactly the right place. He would have never been placed in front of Pharaoh had he not been first placed in prison. And so God orchestrated things that looked like a setback, but it was all a setup. And then he gets there and he gives Pharaoh the wisdom to not just save himself, not just to keep Pharaoh's pantry full, to save an entire nation that is the largest and most powerful nation on the planet at the time. Hundreds, millions of people are blessed because of his influence and because the Holy Spirit put him in the right place at the right time. And then his own blood relatives come from from Canaan and they come to Egypt and he's able to say, I'll feed you and I'll take care of you. And he tells his brothers, and I'll take care of your children. Because of the Holy Spirit inside of him. He was at the right place at the right time. Wisdom above his natural ability. Victory amidst the most difficult of circumstances and was able to move past his own offense in order to see God's bigger picture that God was doing. And multiple generations were impacted because of his obedience. Not just him, not just his family, but children and children's children and grandchildren and other people. People he never met. They ate, they lived, they survived this horrible time because Joseph was filled with the Holy Spirit and obedient to the Holy Spirit. Can I suggest to you for just a moment that what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life right now is not just about you. That you are sowing seeds in the spirit that you won't ever see a harvest from, but your grandchildren will. That you're sowing seed in the spirit, that your obedience, you calling that person when the Holy Spirit says to call them, you serving when the Holy Spirit says to serve, you sharing that prophetic word when the Holy Spirit gives it to you, that you're not just making a difference here. It's making future differences. You realize that if you read the Old Testament, King David could be dead hundreds of years, and one of his, one of his ancestors, one of his great-great-great-great-grandsons could be in a mess, and they, they pray and ask the Lord for help, and multiple times in the Scripture, God will speak to this great-great-grandson of, their, their, of David and say, I'll answer your prayer for the sake of my servant, David. David's been dead hundreds of years, but because of the things that David did and the things that God did through David in his life, his great, great, great grandchildren were still reaping the spiritual benefits from a man they never met. Just like with Joseph, children had food to eat because of the obedience of a man they never met. This is how big of a deal it is to go to the school of the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, he loves you and he's interested in blessing your life, but he's looking beyond you. He's looking beyond those of us that sit in this room right now, and he's looking at who are you going to influence? Who are you going to reach? Who's coming after and behind you? Because the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that blessed Joseph with wisdom and victory and grace and influence, he lives, if you're a believer, he lives in you. Would you stand with me this morning? I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to some people today. And I believe he just wants to move in our lives. And so the response time this morning as Pastor Katie just leads us in a final worship song is this. I want you to come to the altar. If you need wisdom... The Holy Spirit's here. The Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, ask of God and he will pour out his wisdom liberally on you. You need wisdom in your life? Come and meet with the Holy Spirit today. You need victory? If you're in an impossible circumstance like Joseph, the Holy Spirit can give you the victory and place you in the right spot at the right time so that you can come out of this dark part of your life and come out on top. He can give you victory. If If you need grace today, Maybe for yourself, if you don't know the Lord, if you don't have a relationship with God, today is the day to get it right. But if you need grace, maybe to help for, uh, you you say, man, pastor, you're talking about forgiveness and you just don't know, pastor. Uh, Trust me, we can swap stories sometime, okay? I know. And I know how difficult it is. And I know that on my own, I could never do it. But the Holy Spirit inside me can help me. If you need grace today if you've got it if you're carrying a burden of unforgiveness or bitterness towards someone else today as she leads us in one last worship song come to the altar and let's just let's just ask the holy spirit to meet us here if you'd say today you know what pastor I believe I've got something on me that God is God wants to use me to influence people in my atmosphere. I wants me to influence people in my uh in my region, in my job, in my school, in my workplace, in my family. And I need the Holy Spirit's help because, Pastor, I'm with God. I'm looking past just me. I'm looking at my children. I need influence point them in the right direction pastor i'm not just looking at my children i'm looking at my grandchildren and i need spiritual influence that can make a difference you say i don't have kids i'm not there yet Uh, well god's still looking past you he's looking at you but he's also looking at the person that sits next to you in school and what can your influence be to impact a generation He's looking past just your experience and he's saying, the Holy Spirit inside you, yes, he can bless you. Yes, he can give you victory. Yes, he can give you wisdom. But he wants to do more than that. He wants to give you influence so that the whole region, the whole community, the whole workplace, your whole family can experience the power and the presence of God. But it starts with one person saying yes to the Holy Spirit. So Father, as we come before you today, Holy Spirit, would you move? Would you speak? Would you give wisdom? Would you pour out grace? Would your power come and give us and equip us with what we need to do what you've called us to do? As we sing one last song, I want you to step out and let's just begin to spend some time with the Holy Spirit. Would you come right now as she leads us?